Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross at Managing Editor, Fightful.com, FightfulMMA.com, FightfulBoxing.com. Head over to any of the three to get all your combat sports news, photos, videos, podcasts, and the like. Obviously, a huge, huge weekend in (laughs) MMA. There's a big one in pro wrestling as well. Lots of stuff going on. UFC 229. We're also going to look forward to uh, Bellator this weekend. Just tons of stuff going on. We had the UFC 229 post-show podcast. We had, uh, I, I basically started a new podcast just to talk about the show on Saturday or Sunday as well. Just a ton of content there, and we're here to talk even more about it. We've got Showdown Joe joining us, and we also have James Lynch, who was absent Saturday night because he was there in Las Vegas. James, it's glad to see. I'm glad to see that you survived. I did. Yeah, I was lucky. Now, I want to explain one thing quickly off the bat. Luckily, I was not cage side because they put the media uh, room actually outside the arena, which was kind of interesting. I'll talk about that later. But yes, I'm here and did not get Mortal Kombat kicked by uh, Heavy and Rug made up. So that's good. Well, there, there, there's still time in your life for that to happen. <laughs> Joe, we are a few days removed from this situation. Has anything changed that maybe affects your, your viewing of the incident? At the moment, no. I mean, in, in terms of assessing some of the stories that have come out, uh, what's been done, what hasn't been done as of yet, uh, nothing has really changed my positioning from Saturday night. I, I, I do remain steadfast that, you know, if anyone is to blame on this, I've seen a, a few different articles out there and things out there talking about who's to blame. Was it Habib fully for this? Was it Connor? Was it the UFC? Uh, the bottom line is what it all boils down to is, is Habib Nurmagomedov. That's just, that's just for me. And I hate it because I love the guy. But the reality is, you know, he, he quote-unquote broke the rules. James, you were there. It was a wild night. I say, ultimately, as much of a black eye as it is for the UFC, I've said this on so many podcasts, we tripled our WrestleMania live viewers on Saturday. That's probably it's a great thing for the UFC. They, they were the bell of the ball this weekend. Everybody was talking about that. It was it was unbelievable. How did how just walk me through what you experienced working the event? 
Well, it was a great event. I mean, the thing that's getting lost here, unfortunately, is this was one of the best cards of the year. It had a bit of everything, you know, finishes, you know, comeback finishes, like with Derek Lewis. You had probably one of the fights of the year in Tony Ferguson and Anthony Pettis. And then you have this main event where Conor McGregor loses, and this was a moment where Habib Nurmagomedov could have, you know, buried the hatchet. He could have been recognized as one of the greatest lightweights of all time, you know, not taking anything away from what he did in the cage. But then all this happens, and you it completely goes out the window. And instead of talking at the press conference about some of the great performances that took place at UFC 229, we're talking about how long is Habib Nurmagomedov going to be suspended? Is his visa going to get taken away? Is he getting stripped? All these, uh, you know, hypotheticals. And it just sort of, I mean, it was funny when I was covering this event, the thing I was thinking of, I was like, wow, this is like the first event I've covered in like a while where nothing's happened, you know, in terms of like anything bad. You know, I was at 223 with the Dolly incident. I was at, uh, you know, International Fight Week where Holloway's pulled during Fight Week. We had none of that leading up to, you know, basically the main event. And then this happens and it just, it, it put a damper on it. I think a lot of people there, we really were, uh, you know, amped about this event. We're really happy the way everything sort of unfolded. But to have this happen really sort of put a, a sour mood in there. And you could feel the tension. It was weird, uh, you know, even in the media tent, just uh, the, the feeling that, you know, we'd all been sort of let down at the end uh, w- with what had uh, transpired. And, you know, everyone, like, I don't even think people were paying attention to what was happening at the presser because everyone was looking at videos of the different angles of what had happened. So uh, it just sort of added a big distraction to what was one of the, the best cards we've seen this year. And of course, everybody has an opinion and that's okay. Everybody's entitled to have an opinion, but I will say one thing, guys, you don't have to come to us for your MMA news, but don't go to Stephen A. Smith. Please don't go to Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> don't go to the online memes that say, talk about Conor McGregor getting choked. You can get choked with the jaw lock, but the man was in danger of having his jaw dislocated, his teeth yanked out. I saw somebody say, bite down your mouth guard and gut through it. And I'm like, he, he physically couldn't bite. That's what a jaw lock does. But um, the the fight is lost in everything because of the fight that happened afterwards. Now, let's go ahead and talk about this. Obviously, Habib Nurmagomedov jumped into the crowd. One of the popular talking points is, well, you can't talk about religion. You can't do this. You can't do that. To which my response is, yeah, you can. You can do all that stuff because it happened. And... Habib Nurmagomedov in the lead up to this said, this is not a sport that is built on trash talk. It's not built on this. It's not built on that. And he goes out in the crowd and does that. Now, I mean, you're not going to have to give me a whole lot of different reasons, Joe, to go and want to fight Dylan Dennis. He gives you plenty of them on his own. Uh, but I, I think that stuff's fair game. Ultimately, Habib Nurmagomedov beat the man that frustrated him into submission. In a cage, the ultimate display of dominance. I, I would say, from a North American perspective, if not a, a somewhat global perspective, mostly you're you're bang on with that assessment. Assessment. Um, pretty much anything is fair game. We saw what Chael Sonnen used to do to Anderson Silva. Uh, you know, telling him that you know, make sure his wife makes his steak a certain way. He'll slap her on the butt and stuff like that. I mean, there's certain things. It's a Rick that, Rude promo. Yeah, Rick Rude promo. So there's certain things that are going to be said. There's certain things that should not be said. Uh, also, in my opinion, I, I do understand what Habib Nurmagomedov and his camp uh, are saying, because in that part of the world, it's a different culture. Um, you know, I, I can speak pretty heavily on the Japanese culture and how, you know, they're honorable and, and whatnot. So I get and I understand where Habib is coming from because of, of doing, having been around this game for such a long time, and understanding, going back to my stories, you guys have heard it here before on the podcast, of, of Vladimir Matyuchenko, 
um, and just the way of thinking in that part of the world, uh, especially when it comes to talking about culture, country, uh, and in Habib's case, religion, um, they take things to heart. They take it seriously. They don't see it um, as, as pre-fight hype. And even in Habib's apology uh, and statement to the media afterwards, um, if, you, if you saw it, I'm sure you saw it, Sean, uh, James, you were there, but if, if people saw that, he was part remorseful and part, look, this is why I did it. I'm here to make the sport clean. You're not supposed to talk about someone's family. You're not supposed to talk about their uh, country or religion. When in reality, where we come from, hey, man, that's fair game. That's just anything to get inside your opponent's head. So I do um, have sympathy and empathy for a guy like Khabib Nurmagomedov, whose way of thinking is different than the way we look at things. Uh, I don't condone what he did. He should have did it. Uh, but the emotions got the best of him. James, what I mentioned on Saturday's post-event podcast was the fact that here's a guy who made it to the apex of the mountain. He made it to the summit. He has officially looked at his career and did exactly what every single fighter has ever wanted to do, become a world champion and take out the poster child, in essence, taking the torch, becoming somewhat of a poster child and a star. And in the blink of an eye, within 15 to 20 seconds, ruined it all by being too emotional. I would argue that maybe he didn't ruin it all because I think he went from a 500,000 pay-per-view by guy to probably a 700 pay-per-view thousand by guy on his own. I, yeah, I, I could see that side, yes. For for better or for worse, I mean, when you got – you have Mike Tyson out there, and I, I would love to hear the worst takes you all have heard about this so far, one of which actually comes from Mike Tyson where he says, this is crazier than anything I've ever done. I was like, you bit a man's ear off his head. James, uh, it's been a few days. There are some terrible takes about this situation. What's one? What's some of the worst you've seen? Uh, the worst one I've seen actually wasn't on the brawl itself, but I had someone explain to me that Conor McGregor is, in fact, get this, overrated. Okay? Mm. So, you know, apparently the knocking out Jose Aldo, knocking out Eddie Alvarez, knocking out Chad Mendez, those were all, you know, the, the, we shouldn't we shouldn't care we shouldn't put any stock into those I, you know I just things like that I've also just heard um, you know there, there was a boxing writer going off on how you know you don't see this in boxing meanwhile I seem to remember Holyfield and Tyson not only brawling in the crowd brawling in the casino do you remember this like it's crazy yes. that people have such a short memory of what ha- this happens in boxing all the time and I mean at the end of the day um, you know it, it did anyone get seriously hurt I mean you know not, nothing that we've heard it, it's not a good look when you have a champion jump off the cage I get that but you know, on the flip side of it, it's like this This happens in other sports. It's just that with MMA, there's always people waiting on the sidelines for something like this to happen and jump on it and say, these guys are animals or, you know, this and that. Like, it's it's just you're going to get those people coming out. And we saw a few takes like that. I can't remember the boxing writer's name. Probably a good thing. Don't want to give this guy any press. But yeah. he basically <laughs> just said that, you know, it was – this is why nobody watches MMA and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, dude, you know, look at your own sport in boxing. There's been plenty of instances like that. Well, it looks like two million or two or – Three million people almost bought this pay-per-view, and the rematch will do well over three if if that ever occurs. It's an easy three million. Joe, what are some of the worst takes you've seen so far? Well, it's it's you and I talked about it. We've seen some stuff online. James, I think, echoed it. The whole Conor McGregor is overrated recency bias, right? Like they forgot what he's done in the past. And, you know, for the most part, when it comes to some of these critics. Uh, of Conor McGregor or critics of Habib Nurmagomedov, um, they're not able to potentially look into the backstory or look into what's what led up to all of this. You don't do that kind of stuff. I mean, Conor McGregor is a 
fantastic fighter. He got beat by a much better fighter that evening. Uh, Conor McGregor could easily have landed some of those left hands, and we'd be talking about a different scenario right now where Conor McGregor uh, is arguably the GOAT. All right? So, I mean, it's a fight, guys. Anything can happen. Some of the takes that I've seen and some of the takes that I've read, uh, I, again, I've been around this game for a long time, guys. I brush it to the side. I just I shake my head. I don't address it. Um, I can tell you this. Some of the stuff that Sean and I said on Saturday, some of the stuff that or Saturday night and some of the stuff that we may have tweeted or put on social media gets twisted. It gets twisted. And then it's like, well, I never said that. But if I go and reply or go that I imply that, if I go and reply to every single person, uh, James, I'd be online from Saturday up until now. So it's one of those things where it's like, this is my opinion. This is Sean's opinion. This is what James Lynch is saying. He's there. This is what it's all about. You can take it and twist it as much as you want. The facts are the facts. And here's what it is. And we're discussing potentially what could happen. Don't tell me Conor McGregor is overrated. That dude's a bad MOFO. Like, he is a bad man with tons of skill. He just got outclassed that evening by a guy whose game plan was succinct. Simple. Yeah, I don't mind people who don't follow MMA or don't really know about it talking about it. That's beautiful. I love people learning and seeing what we love. It's when the meme makers that don't know anything about MMA get involved and they create some of the dumbest stuff I've ever seen. Let's talk about the fight itself. I thought... Round four was a really good adjustment from Habib. He he dominated really the first two rounds, even dropped Conor McGregor with a, with a big punch. I personally thought Conor McGregor was not aggressive enough offensively. He was. It seemed like he was trying to fight defensively an awful lot. And then in the third round, that changed. And you saw him start to get a little more offensive, and that took Habib out of his comfort zone. And I think that once Habib felt that momentum shift a little bit, he was like, it's time to put the pedal to the floor. I'm going to give everything I can to get this power double, and I'm going to finish him now. Because I think he felt that momentum shift. And I didn't expect Conor McGregor to try to play the long game, but I don't think he thought he would have to either. There, there's so much into this. I thought uh, Conor McGregor had a much better showing than anybody is giving him credit for, but ultimately he fell victim to, to a beautiful jaw lock submission from Habib Nurmagomedov. James, uh, your assessment. Yeah, I, I was. Uh, I, I thought that Connor just, uh, you know, he had his moments. I believe he stole around from Habib in this fight, which has never happened in his UFC career. So that was that was impressive in itself. But um, I, I don't, I don't see the reason to. And I'm not saying you suggested this, but I see a lot of other people suggesting them doing the rematch right away. I just don't. I don't think it's necessary. I, this was a, 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 you know, a dominant fight by Habib. I think he had an answer for everything, not just with the ground game, but with the stand up. The fact that he was able to drop McGregor in the fight, I think, was very unexpected for people to see. Um, you know, McGregor had his moments. I think this wasn't the McGregor that we've seen in other fights. This didn't look like the McGregor, uh, you know, like we saw against Eddie Alvarez or against Jose Aldo that was, you know, really aggressive from the get-go. I, I agree with you. I think he was playing sort of more of a counter game. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, Habib Nurmagomedov showed that he's the better fighter, and I, I, I don't I don't really want to see this rematch anytime soon. I think McGregor's got to, you know, build his way back up, whether that's one fight, two fights, I don't know. But the UFC has to be smart about this. I was thinking about this this morning. I've seen some people say, you know, if McGregor doesn't fight Habib, if it be suspended, get him to fight Ferguson. It's like, no, you give McGregor a fun, exciting fight next, whether that's Nate Diaz or whoever, but you don't give him someone that's going to threaten him with little upside. You know, they, this is what they did to Rousey. I mean, Rousey ended up fighting home and then she fought Nunes and then she was out of the sport. You have to be careful with McGregor here. Make sure that he's matched up appropriately and then get him back to a potential Habib fight down the line. Joe, I think the Nate Diaz fights there in 10 years if they want it. They don't need to do that now or they they, they could, they could, but I mean, there, there are lots of, any Conor McGregor gets a broomstick, does a million pies. 
In terms of who Conor McGregor should be fighting next, guys, we need to look at it from not just a mixed martial arts rankings perspective. Uh, I think James is sort of bang on. You're talking at the point now, they, have they learned their lesson from Ronda Rousey, uh, putting her against opponents that are going to take away that ATM, right? Um, Conor McGregor is an ATM for them. So it's a matter of deciding, do you put him against, you put him in the rematch? He's probably going to lose. Good chance, because we've already seen it. Uh, do we put him against Tony Ferguson, who's not going to quit? And we'll stand and trade with Conor McGregor. If that fight goes down to the ground, I'm going to give the edge to Tony Ferguson with his jiu-jitsu. Do we do the Nate Diaz fight again after the situation with, or after the result uh, of Dustin Poirier? We know what we get when Conor McGregor fights Nate Diaz. We're going to get three rounds of absolute awesomeness. That's the fight I think should be taking place. And or a fight where the opponent's ground game uh, is on par, if not a little worse than Conor McGregor's. That's who I'm thinking. If they want to maximize the revenue that they can generate from Conor McGregor, which they make a lot of, you're going to put him against a guy that you hopefully he wins. You know, sorry to the opponent, uh, but from a UFC's perspective, this is a money-making venture, and Conor McGregor is their biggest moneymaker. You want the guy to win, and that's just the way it is. It's not, it's not the right way. It's not the, the, the ethical way, but you're there to make money, and Conor McGregor is a moneymaker. Put him against a guy that's going to have an exciting fight. Uh, that hopefully won't tap him out, although Nate did tap him out. But we saw what happened in the second fight. These two guys are more than happy to have the referee move out of the way uh, and throw down. Uh, are there other people uh, in there? Yeah, you can probably do it. But those are the three guys, the three options right now for Connor. We'll see what option number four is. But it's going to have to be someone, in my opinion, that will be more than happy to stand and bang with him. Heck, you can do the Dustin Poirier rematch if you like. You can sell that one if Dustin Poirier defeats Nate Diaz. I think right. you could sell win or lose any, any of those guys. against. I mean, Connor is coming off a loss, and people will just pay to see him fight. Uh, James, as far as punishment goes, what do you see as fitting? Um, I, I think, I think you, well, just quickly on the two opponents or the opponents you guys mentioned for McGregor there, uh, two names we haven't brought up that I think would be great opponents for him. One is Justin Gaethje. I think he's a guy who's going to stand and trade with you. And yes, McGregor did get hit on Saturday, but nine times out of 10, he, if he's fighting someone in the lightweight division and staying standing, I like his chances. I think that's a good fight. Gaethje not really known as a ground guy. And the other one is Jose Aldo. If he wants to move up to 155 and get some revenge there, I think that would be an interesting matchup too. Aldo does have a you know, great ground game. But I think at the same time, I, I don't think it's anywhere near the threat that Habib put on with the wrestling and the ground game. I think it would be, uh, you know, those are two matchups that I think have some name value, but also fights that I think McGregor could absolutely win. And uh, in terms of McGregor, you know, getting the punishment he took, who knows when he wants to come back, but I imagine we won't see him till next year, just with everything sort of unfolding and the dust settling. Uh, the UFC is going to want to use him as a chip in early 2019. So I think if we do see him come back, it'll be sometime next year. Yeah, I think I think we can expect that as well. The the lightweight title situation is is a funny one. Going into Saturday night, three men had legitimate claim to that title. Now only two men do. Tony Ferguson was one of those. I actually spoke to a group of WWE wrestlers who were watching that show, and they really, really enjoyed the Pettis fight, as well as Derek Lewis's post-fight interview, which we will get into. Now, Pettis wasn't considered a top-notch opponent for Tony Ferguson, James, but... We we learned more and more about Ferguson as this went on. He did no physical therapy. He came back six months after knee surgery. We knew that. Kind of psycho, but that's par for the course for Tony Ferguson. What do you see next for him? Is it Habib? I mean, he's got to feel a little frustrated in that regard that he's chased this fight for so long, and here this fight is maybe going away from him again. 
I, it, Tony has got to fight Habib next, and, and Dana White sort of alluded to this, and I know there's times when Dana will say stuff and it doesn't end up coming true, or, or you know maybe he's fibbing us a little bit, but it seemed like he was more interested in doing Tony versus Habib next as opposed to the rematch, and I'm a fan of that. I think Ferguson, from the second he was at the open workouts doing that cool you know sort of breakdancing stuff, uh, to him at the press conference after really just entertaining everyone. I mean, he's literally like asking questions to the media members. This guy is just something completely unique, and, and I really hope that translates to you know fans outside of our bubble because I think he is not only just great in terms of his skill set and what he showed against Anthony Pettis, but also just outside on the mic. You know, he's talking about quitting drinking and all this stuff. Like he's just he was just so entertaining, and I, I think that's the fight you have to do at this point. Um, Ferguson stock, I think, despite everything that happened on Saturday, I think it's never been higher with him. You know, winning and you know him carrying around the belt still. I, I'm a huge fan of Tony Ferguson, and I hope we do see the Habib fight because. Honestly, I think that's a, a much different fight uh, for Habib just with the fact that you have a guy in Ferguson who nobody's really figured out, um, you know, in his last couple of fights. He had the loss to Michael Johnson years ago, but he broke his hand or broke his arm in that fight. So I'm curious to see how a fight with him and Habib would go. But that would be my pick. I hope they do that fight next. How about you, Joe? Where do you see Tony Ferguson going next? Um, depending on the suspension, Habib Nurmagomedov is about to get, whether it's six months to a year. And whatever fine he has, uh, is Tony Ferguson willing to wait to take him on? Uh, and if there's no 165-pound division uh, to be introduced between uh, Bust, Dust, excuse me, Bustin, Dustin Poirier and Nate Diaz, does he fight the winner of that? There's lots of options there. There's also Hafiel. Um, oh, sorry, that's 155. Excuse me. Um, yeah, I mean, I, the fight is Tony Ferguson versus Abib Nurmagomedov. That is the fight. That must happen. Uh, unfortunately, every time they try and put these two together, uh, it's a gong show. It never takes place. Um, that is the fight that needs to happen. I don't know if it's going to happen anytime soon. And is, is Tony willing to wait uh, and wait out the suspension? Because the division then will be on hold again. So in terms of Tony fighting someone, it's going to have to be someone, um, you know, does he become the de facto champ? If it's a one-year suspension, is Habib stripped? And does Tony become the de facto champ? Or does he have to fight for another interim title? Right? So. It all depends on, on what's going to happen with uh, Habib. Meanwhile, you have a push for a 165 division. Dana White is frustratingly stubborn about this, James. I don't understand it. <laughs> uh, it'll it'll make people who can't win the title at welterweight and lightweight move down. Keep in mind, this this will be likely Habib Nurmagomedov, your champion in the division, probably moving up. Rafael Dos Anjos a former champion, probably moving down. There are, I think, 200 fighters in between the two divisions. It is a ready-made escape from your issue at UFC 230. It's right there for you. He can say, oh, I don't create titles out of thin air. Women's featherweight has existed for almost two years and doesn't have rankings. What, what is your take on this, James? Yeah, I, they, I mean, they have fumbled the ball big time on this whole 230 thing. Now we're hearing Daniel Cormier might be fighting Derek Lewis for the title because Lewis's stock has never been higher with him. I'm sure we'll talk about him later. But, uh, I mean, it's, it's to me, as far as adding in a new division, I don't know what goes into it. I think if they add – I'm not a fan of adding in more weight classes. I think if you do do one, 165 is the division to do it just with the level of talent yeah. there. Does that change now with Connor losing? That might be something they would look at. Does that happen for 230? I don't know, but maybe they do do it down the line. But here's the thing that's really killing the UFC right now, especially when it comes to pay-per-views. 
they got to get rid of this rule that it has to be for a title. They could have just made yeah. this Dustin and Nate from the get-go and no one would be complaining and people would be happy to see this five rounds. Why does it have to be for a stupid title? No one cares. The fans don't care. No one goes, wow, I can't wait to go to that title fight. They go, wow, I can't wait to watch, you know, such and such fight. Like, I don't even think people cared that the title was on the line this weekend. You know, people outside of, the, you know, that are part of, outside of the bubble, they just want to see two people fight. And I think that if they just would have gone from the, from the onset saying, hey, listen, we want it's going to be it's going to be Dustin and Nate for five rounds. People would be happy with that, but instead they've completely fumbled this ball. I don't know how many times, and who knows what it's going to end up being by the time we're even done this podcast. They could change their mind about three or four times. I would argue that Conor McGregor losing may actually increase the chances of a 165 pound title because you could immediately put him in there with the winner of Dustin Poirier, Nate Diaz, and say, "Oh, here's a championship fight." Here's your three division, <laughs> your first ever person to win titles in three divisions. Uh, Joe, we talked about 165 a lot, but there there is a bit of a monkey. I mean, D- Nate Diaz and Dustin Poirier did give them an easy out. Last week, it was revealed they sacrificed Joanna and Shevchenko to run Shevchenko versus uh, Sajara Eubanks. That's horrible. That's miserable. That's a dumb idea. But then this week, Fresh off of a Derek Lewis win. Derek Lewis also very popular with the WWE wrestlers this weekend, I was told. And his come-from-behind win over Alexander Volkov is rumored to be in negotiations to fight Daniel Cormier. Now, keep in mind, Daniel Cormier has said, I am not healthy. I cannot fight by then. Derek Lewis, after his fight, says, I've got no business being in a title fight. And they're about to possibly be booked for a title fight. Still, with both of those things weighed, I think it's a far better possible main event than Shevchenko and Sajara Eubanks, Joe. Yeah. Uh, to go back what James was saying momentarily, if I can just go back to discussing that 165-pound division and, and making it a championship, I respectfully disagree only because in my experience, what I do know is fans do love title fights. They want fights that have meaning, uh, and you can create the 165. I, listen, Dana White said women would never be in the UFC. Okay, he said the 155 division would never, ever happen in the UFC. And then BJ Penn came around and then we got 145 and then it'll never happen. 135 will never happen. 125 will never happen. Then they bought the WEC. Then they saw stars. Then they added those divisions. So Dana White saying that uh, there's no reason for the 165 pound weight class. I respect he he said it too many times in the past. Uh, In terms of creating the 165 division, you then move 170 to 175. You've got your 10-pound difference between the two weight classes. Therefore, you will have champions. Now, uh, in terms of we don't need championship fights for every single pay-per-view. I get that. That's fair. That's a fair assessment. I personally believe uh, when you put a championship title on the line, it officially gives meaning to a fight. It officially has fans drawn in to say, this fight means something. It's not just two guys fighting out of nowhere. Because uh, how many times do we do we look at the UFC or the, the the fight pass prelims or even some of the prelims that are on Fox and think, the heck are these guys or girls? And what are they fighting for? They're not even in the top fifteen. Why are we watching this fight? Give the fights and fans meaning to a fight. They will tune in. I'm not saying to make this an ABC like boxing where there's so many different weight classes and so many championships. What I'm saying is when you make it for a title fight, people will be more inclined to tune in than to just have two names uh, on that. 
Regarding but, Derek but, Lewis... Sorry, just one second. What, what about if you just made it as a number one contender spot? Would that not be the same thing as opposed to not having a title? They could have done that with this fight and not had a title on the line, and it's still meaning. People would want to know, hey, this, whoever wins this fight is going to fight Habib next. That would be that would add meaning. I realize then you screw things up with, you know, if there's injuries and stuff like that, but I'm saying that's another alternative you could do as opposed to going to the extreme of adding in a title. Just wanted to add that in. Sorry to interrupt you, Sean. Then that example there gives meaning to the fight. Right. See what I'm saying? Stakes. Yeah. Give me something to to pay attention to. Give the fans something to watch and say, you know what? I gotta watch this fight because there are implications. Fine, no title? Cool. The winner of this fight fights the champ. This is gonna be awesome. Give the fans something to tune in for in a main event. All fights, guys, in my opinion, have to have some sort of meaning. What does this fight mean to the weight class? That's what I'm saying. Derek Lewis. Um, uh, and Daniel Cormier, I do not see that fight happening. I don't see it happening. At the same time, I think that if you were to call it a number one contender fight, I, I don't know how many people buy it. I think you almost run into some cynicism there because you've got Tony Ferguson ahead of all of these guys. And he is – he should – I mean, my God, if you're talking about moral implications, he's the rightful lightweight champion right now. It's and then you you see that and you see what happened with Habib. I don't know how many people would buy these guys fighting a Habib anytime soon. Uh, maybe <laughs> and you if you're UFC, you definitely do not want to go interim title in this division again. This has been the biggest mess, the biggest mess. But I'll ask you this, James: Do you think we get Derek Lewis, Daniel Cormier, at UFC two thirty? I, I don't. I don't think so. Uh, just because you know we're hearing that Cormier's hand is still not 100% healed, and then you know Lewis. I mean, he just he's going to go five rounds. He could barely go three against Volkov. Um, you know, if 11 seconds runs out on that clock on Saturday, we're talking about Alexander Volkov winning a decision. Uh, you know, it, it's they, they got sort of lightning in the bottle with Lewis winning and him. You know, just being at, at the all time high right now. I get it, but. I think that's going to be tough because really for DC, there is a chance he could lose here. And then he loses yeah. out on the payday with Brock. So I think that alone probably keeps this from happening. But you never know. I didn't think we'd see Sajara Eubanks in a UFC main event uh, for a title <laughs> this year either. So what, what are you going to do? Well, I mean, I think there's definitely a reason why they didn't try to move Curtis Blades off of his fight yeah. for a Daniel Cormier fight or say, hey, Stipe, here's your rematch. Exactly. Because they want to keep that Lesnar fight together. But the thing is, if Daniel Cormier were to lose, they could very easily slide John Jones into that Corm- or that Lesnar fight. There's a lot of things that could happen. And I never buy that. Even now, how can you buy that something's really going to happen when they announce Joanna versus Shevchenko and everybody goes, I don't want to say everybody. That's a sweeping generalization. But a lot of people are like, hell yeah, that's the fight to make. That's That's the right one. And they sacrifice it. For a woman who is one and one in weight cuts in her pro UFC career, that's it's wild to me. But I, I I know what you mean. Derek Lewis's stock has never been higher, may never be higher. My balls was hot. I was just gonna say his <laughs> stock is hot, boys. And Dana White had no idea. That's how crazy that night was. I know he had no idea, and he said, "I wish that was the craziest thing that happened." And somebody messaged me and said, I can't believe he brought up Trump. And I said, did he? Because I didn't even notice. That was like the fifth craziest thing he said in that in that promo. So awesome. It's crazy. That was wild. Uh, another person I want to give some, uh, not necessarily give love to, but there are two big names that I thought really emerged in that show. Joe, you and I have talked about it, but I want to talk to James about them because you spoke to both of them ahead of this. Dom Reyes, Aspen Ladd. 
I think Dom Reyes now is a top five UFC light heavyweight. I think Aspen Ladd, boy, she she is problems for a lot of people. Yeah, um, Reyes, first off, I think he knocked out OSP at the end. I know the clock kind of ran out on that one, but uh, that would have been pretty I, incredible. If that before did. before you yeah. get into it, I, I want your feelings on this. Didn't change the result, but if I'm Mir Abdubavashvili, are you not saying, wait a second, that's that's not a knockout? Because I'm pretty sure that was a knockout in my yeah. fight. Yeah, exactly, against his fight against uh, Ricky Simone. Yeah, I mean, either way, Reyes looked great in this fight, whether you want to count that as a finish or not. Uh, This was the test. I mean, I've said this before, and this is no slight on OSP, but he is the gatekeeper in this division. If you beat an OSP, especially the way Dominic Reyes did, uh, you're, you're to me, uh, above the, you know, you're sort of in the the upper pack, like you said, uh, you know, top five in that division. I, I completely agree with that. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Uh, the thing I liked about this fight, too, is that we saw Reyes not just go out there and get a quick finish. We got to see him, you know, go three rounds, show a little bit more of his game. You know, oftentimes when you see guys like, uh, you know, Francis Nagano is a good example where, you know, you just see these quick wins and then we don't get to see them how they, you know, going into deep waters. Um, to me, this was good. I, I thought overall this was great. I like the call out of Jan Blackowitz, um, or, you know, in the sense that this is a guy that, uh, you know, I think if, if he's got a lot of experience, it's a winnable fight for Dom. And Dom's not being unrealistic here in, the, in his expectations. He's not calling out John Jones. You know, if he did that, yeah, it would make some headlines, but he's not going to, you know, p- people aren't actually expecting that fight to happen. This is a fight that likely will happen next. And I think it's the right move for Dom, who's, you know, uh, really amassed an impressive record here and uh, just a fun guy and, and gets it too. You should have seen him at Media Day all dressed up. I mean, this guy is really playing the part and he's come a long way for a guy who, you know, signed with the UFC. I think it was either last year or year before. I think it was last year. Um, so he's really done quite well. And uh, Aspen Ladd, I mean, great job. I think people, you know, she had a lot of pressure going into this fight because of the, you know, missing weight against Leslie Smith. She had a tough weight cut for this one. But I think what people forget in, in this, at least I haven't seen a lot of it online, uh, the scale was off at the either the UFC PI or her hotel room. Uh, that's why she came in under. So I think the fact that she had to cut those extra pounds or the extra pound because she came in at 134, um, I think was, uh, you know, just a result of just a, a bad scale in this one. But either way, she's got to get the weight cuts down a little bit more. I asked her post-fight if she's interested in going to 45 because you know, who knows what's happening with that division. She basically said, I'll only go if there's fights that are interesting to me. So right now she's she's got her eye on either Beth Cohea or Katzengano. But this was a great performance. You know, Tanya Evinger, former Invicta champ, fought the who's who in the women's division. That's the first time she's lost by knockout in the first round. Chris Cyborg, it took her three rounds to do that. Aspen uh, made a statement on this card. And uh, it was just great to see, to, you know, because there was a lot of people – you know, giving her crap about the weight cut, and she came through on this card. Yeah, the new UFC rankings are out. I will add that the UFC rankings breakdown to FightfulSelect.com, tier one, $5. I've also uh, added more and more MMA content 
Uh, we have alternate fight commentary on MVP and John Jones's first MMA fights. We do If It Were a Work, If It Were a Shoot podcast on there where uh, we kind of go back and forth between WWE, UFC, and vice versa. Also, uh, on Tier 2, that's $10 tier, you get early access to a couple of McGregor-Habib uh, columns as well as a bare-knuckle boxing interview Carlos did. But uh, in the new rankings, Dom Reyes, number six, he's behind Manoa, who I argue Dom Reyes should be ranked higher than him because you look at Manoa's recent track record. He beat Corey Anderson and he beat OSP, but man, he's like two of his last two. He's won two fights since April of or May of 2015. I just think that Dom Reyes' track record is, is better and Aspen Ladd is now at number seven. So they are quickly, quickly emerging up those rankings. There's a PFL card this weekend. Do either of you have any idea what's on it? I, I do, only because I, I, interview, I, I interviewed a few of the fighters uh, beforehand. Yes. But, but in general, it's uh, it's just tough to keep up. Like, I missed the PFL event that happened, I think it was Friday, just because I, you know, like I'm, I'm in the middle of media week. There was actually a UFC, um, you know, launch party they had with, where I got to interview Kevin Lee and TJ Dillashaw. So I missed that. But I think in general, it's just – it's tough to keep up with this. I've said this before, you know, you've got the ultimate fighter, you've got PFL, you've got all these other things going on, Bellator. Um, it's, it's, it's just tough to keep up. I like the format, but uh, you know, it's, 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 it's tough to keep up. That's kind of the best way to put it. The show this weekend, uh, as I look, it's in Long Beach and it goes head to head with a Bellator show. Bellator running back to back nights. We're about to talk about that. Actually, Will Brooks is on the show facing Rashid Magomedov. That's a good fight. You have, Islam Mamedov against Tiago Tavares. That's another good fight. Johnny Case on the show. Uh, Rama's fighting. Dan Spawn's on the card. Magalayas. So some okay fights. But um, I kind of want to speak about Bellator before we talk. We preview the shows. There are rumors, and if if Dana White stays true to his word, Islam Makachev and Tukagov would essentially be cut from the UFC because of their participation in this brawl after the fight i joe i don't think there's any question bellator would pick them up immediately if they if they could i mean why wouldn't they oh they'll pick them up no if sands or butts but it all depends on what their suspension is also going to be with the commission uh with the nevada state athletic commission and where they'll be allowed to fight because as soon as you get suspended from the nevada state athletic commission you go on you know the abc's records and then you can't basically compete um, in North America. Uh, can you compete overseas? It's got to be sanctioned and regulated by somebody. Chances are it's going to be sanctioned and regulated most likely by one of the Indian reserves. So that all depends. Now, will Dana White cut them? I think so. I think they're done. I think they've, uh, you know, again, uh, I saw the um, interpretation by uh, Kareem Zidane uh, of uh, Tugov's post. Uh, it was very brief, but at the same time, he, he's done. It's unfortunate because He's three and one in the UFC and probably has some some you know and I, Islam was in Bahrain when I was there with uh, with Frankie Edgar Henzo and Habib and stuff like that so you know no I know him okay and it, it is what it is uh, before we go over to to the Bellator stuff guys if I can just make one thing regarding the light heavyweight rankings I want both your opinion Dominic Reyes is ranked right now he moved up six spots to number six but Anthony Smith dropped one to number ten can you make the argument that Anthony Smith should be higher than Dominic Reyes right now? Yes. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. And it be higher than OSP, Teixeira, maybe Anderson. I think Manoa should be down there. I think five and six, five, six, and seven should be 
Reyes, Smith, Anderson, any combination? I don't want to say any combination of them. Smith probably belongs up up the highest. Uh, James, what do you think? Yeah, no, I agree with that. Anthony Smith should be a lot higher because it's. I, I get that his last two wins are against guys that are, well, Rashad retired and then Shogun's probably close to retiring. But in general, I think those are still quality opposition as far as the division goes because there isn't, after that top tier, you're going to have to fight guys like that. And it's not like he just went to a decision with them. He finished them. So I put some stock in that. Yeah, these rankings need some need some adjusting for sure. Uh, one quick thing I wanted to mention on the on the suspensions uh, or the um, you know the potential fighters getting cut there. I'm not so sure they get cut. Um, and and here's, here's my argument why. Habib is super close with both of those guys, especially Islam Makashev. Um, I think this would ruffle a lot of feathers if they were cut. And I don't think they go to Bellator. You look at, they are Ali Abdelaziz clients. How many Ali Abdelaziz clients are in Bellator? I can tell you right now on my hand. We can count it on my hand. There's three clients he has in, in Bellator. Paul Daly and Vitaly Minikov, he just signed recently. And the other yeah. one's uh, uh, Gracie. Um, what's his name? The undefeated guy uh, fights at welterweight. His name's escaping me at the moment. But anyways, he doesn't have a lot of fighters in Bellator. If they do get cut, which I don't think they will. They're going to PFL. Mark my words. Yeah, that's an interesting, interesting aspect. And I mean, Paul Daly ain't going to the UFC no. for reasons beyond his control. Minikov has been stuck for. Be- I don't know what the hell's going on with Minikov. He's going back Bellator, to Bellator. Bellator had the balls, the balls <laughs> to post on their Twitter feed. Should Vitaly Minikov fight the winner of the heavyweight tournament? And I'm thinking, why are you doing a fucking tournament? He was the champion. <laughs> Why is this happening? Uh, uh, I'm waiting for them to post a tweet that says, should the winner of Minikov versus the tournament winner fight Cole Conrad next? I'm like, God, man, that's it's a mess, man. And I love the tournament aspect, but whew, there, there's so much other stuff to, to dive into, to break down. Jose Aldo wants a rematch with Conor McGregor. I think that's a pay-per-view headliner. I think that with no title on the line, there are rumors that Connor, after one of the rounds, like whispered in Habib's ear, it's only business. I don't know if you guys have seen that. No. Like kind of kind of mumbled to him, it's only business. And then Habib turned around to him. Maybe not so much. Habib's dad says he's going to punish his son tougher than the UFC does. Got to get those bears that. out of hibernation. I buy that. Don't mess with the dad. I'm telling you. Exactly. There, there's just so much to this. There are like so many aspects to break this down and lots of stuff to get into. But uh, let's let's talk about Bellator because Bellator wait, wait, has wait, a – What's that? What's that? James. James. Um, you know when Sean goes off on those tangents and he leans to his right and yells at the top of his lungs? Yeah. Are you expecting like I'm expecting for his wife to just crash that door open and – Either hit him with a chair or be hey, like, what is wrong with you? Let me explain something right now. <laughs> hey, I asked James. I asked my, James. My, yeah, wife I asked his opinion. <laughs> my wife is going to school full-time right now. <laughs> that means this, this, sole income right now. Oh, that's awesome. Well, Monday and Tuesday, she hears me scream, right in the penis, over and over again. She understands. She knows I take my job very seriously, but not seriously enough. To drive people away with complete and total tears. order. I'm in tears. I, I, James, I love when Sean loses his marbles like that. It reminds me of so many of my favorite comedians when they have the <laughs> microphone and they just look at the crowd losing their minds. But I do expect Claire to come in there and just like, what is wrong with you, Sean? I mean, isn't that wild? I mean, <laughs> Vitaly Minikov was their champion. Yes, you're and right. A damn good one. And they had their issues and, man, Bellator – with their European talent is not what it used to be. 
but he's been out for four and a half years. Four and a half years they have not had a heavyweight championship fight, and they have had some decent heavyweights, and if not decent heavyweights, some decent names. I love the tournament. Love the tournament. But, I mean, this guy has went 7-0 and in fight nights global. He beat Bigfoot. He beat Tony Johnson. He beat some guys that people know about. And they're immediately just like, should he fight the winner? And I'm like, oh, son of a bitch. Just wedge him in there somehow. Wedge him in there somehow. But we do have some movement in this tournament, and I'm pretty excited. If you condense these two cards into one this weekend, because Bellator is running Friday and Saturday, it would be an outstanding card. But still, I think they're both pretty good. I am going to do a post-show after UFC or Bellator 208 Saturday night. So we'll talk about both of these. But let's talk about the first one. On the prelims, you have Shanae Cavanaugh and Janae Harding. Uh, James Lynch did speak to, I believe it was Janae, correct? Yes, it did, yep. That is up on Fightful.com. Make sure you all check that out. Uh, on the main card, you have Baby Slice against Corey Browning. There's not a lot to break down here. They're moving Baby Slice along slowly. He is somebody, I will say, he gets it. I think he gets the charismatic aspect as well, if not more than his dad did. Like, he is a very, very charismatic dude. And um, he knows what he needs to do to become successful in MMA, and I, I admire that. We have a Bellator welterweight tournament alternate fight, Pascu against Lorenz Larkin. I don't think this is the path they expected for Lorenz Larkin, James. No, no, I don't think so. Uh, he's yeah, he's had what two or three opponents, uh, you know, switch out or whatever. Um, they they, they got to try and get him in somehow. They got to keep him active. So uh, this is a result of a couple of fights because it was Eric Silva, and then before that it was someone else. Um, so he's yeah, just some unfortunate luck here, and uh, you know, fighting a vet. So you never know what can happen in this fight. But Larkin needs to uh, definitely uh, prove his stock because he was one of the big signings from Bellator a few years back. Joe, I mean, I I, I would. I would expect, and I think they expect Larkin to win this. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's been the expectation that when you sign a guy like that, that he goes on a bit of a run and causes havoc uh, in the division, uh, specifically against the talent that you originally had, uh, or you want the talent you originally had prior to the UFC guy coming over, and your talent beats him succinctly, or. You know, bottom line is you got to maximize the revenue you 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 can generate from a guy like Lorenz Larkin uh, when he's competing for your organization. So you put him against uh, Pascu, and you think you better win this fight, dude. You got to win this fight. Show is headlined by a couple of uh, big heavyweight fights. Essentially, Roy Nelson and Sergey Haritanov. I love Sergey Haritanov. I've been a fan of his for over a decade. He was one of one of my introductions into MMA. This is not an easy fight for Roy Nelson. And I'm going as far as to predict Sergey Heratanov Heritanov to win, James. How, How do you think this one goes? Yeah, I'm with you here. I, I just think the you know the movement. I mean, he's had a couple hiccups in his career. If you remember uh, Haritanov when he lost to uh, Ayala, Ayala, I believe that's how you say his Bobby name. Ayala, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's he's had some hiccups before, but in general, he usually wins his fights. It's one of those guys I wish we would have saw in the UFC, but this is a great matchup. And uh, I just think Nelson. Uh, I know he still has that knockout power. He kind of reminds me a bit of Derek Lewis in that regard, where it's like he's not very he's not very mobile, but he can definitely knock you out. Um, I like Haritanov here uh, in terms of uh, you know a pick. And uh, right now he's an underdog at plus 200, so he might be taking a, a stab at it. And one fight I want to mention that I don't know if we're going to cover, but Carrington Banks is – this was a late addition to the card. Carrington Banks is fighting Mandel Nalo. Joe, you yeah. might know a bit about Mandel. 
Yep. This guy is the secret weapon at TriStar. You ask any fighter that trains with the lighter weight classes, they say Mandela is the most talented guy in the room. Joe Duffy raves about this guy. He's 6-0. and He's been buried on the prelims. He was actually like a big signing for Bellator, like in the Canadian MMA scene. So now he's up here. I think he can beat Banks here. He's got. Uh, he's also an underdog on this card, plus 200. Take a stab at him. This, this guy is, I'm telling you, he's the secret weapon in Bellator's lightweight division. And Banks... Ever since he switched camps over to Colorado, he was with uh, he used to be with the Black Zillions. Uh, he, he lost his last fight to Piccolotti, so he needs to get back in the win column. I think this is a good opportunity for the Canadian to uh, to outshine him here. You know, the funny thing is when we talked about Heratonov, you say he's had a few hiccups in his career. He's a guy who's been fighting since Pride, since 2003. He's beaten Ninja Hua, Semi Schilt, Pedro Hizo, Fabricio Verdum, Alistair Overeem, even like lately, like so could you. He fought, he fought so could you last yeah. year. That's it's it's nuts how long he's been around. That's what I love about heavyweight MMA. Joe, who do you have in Heritonov versus Roy Nelson? On so on the surface, my mind immediately goes to so you know what Roy Nelson wins this fight. But you know, n- not many people know Sergey's not in his forties. He's thirty eight. Yeah, Roy Nelson's in his forties. He's forty two. Now it's difficult per se to knock out Roy Nelson, but you can rest assured that there's going to be some pounding by Karnatanov, if he can just keep his footwork, um, he should win this fight. You know, I've always been surprised, and I know Roy Nelson and his wife have told me dozens upon dozens of times that fans want exciting fights. That's the reason why I don't use my black belt from Henzo Gracie on the ground. Uh, if you'd have did that and start submitting people, maybe you'd be in a different world right now. Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's one of those tough fights to call, but you're damn right, based on the odds right now with, you know, Karnatanov as a plus 200, I got five on it. Yeah. Oh, I do too. I think that's a damn good one. Ryan Bader, Matt Mitrione. Ryan Bader trying to do the the champ champ thing, and I think he stands a pretty good opportunity of doing it. Now, I am really interested to see the size discrepancy here between Mitrione and Bader. Bader is legitimately one of the best light heavyweights in the world. I can't wait to watch him fight. Uh, Joe, how do you think this goes? Well, on the onset, speed kills. Ryan Bader will be the faster striker here. Um, on the flip side, uh, if, you, if you read the book Fightnomics, you know, mass, speed equals force. Mitrione's going to be the bigger fighter, more powerful. He should be able to knock out Ryan Bader or TKO Ryan Bader with one punch that could lead to some sort of TKO on the ground. Thing is, though, with Ryan Bader, he's going to be faster. He's going to be quicker. He's, I, I predict him going in and out, in and out, and he can take down Matt Mitrione. He could take him down and do what he needs to do in terms of grinding out a decision and mauling and brawling. So um, on the surface, I'm going to lean towards Ryan Bader. I'm not putting five on it because he's minus 280, but I'll put uh, I'll, I'll predict Ryan Bader uh, emerges victorious in this fight. I think his speed will be a bit too much for Mitrione in this fight. James, how do you think it goes? Uh, Bader has technically fought at heavyweight, but he fought King Mo. That was two light heavyweights fighting. Yeah, I like Bader as well here. Like Joe said, the speed's going to be a factor. And, and there's been a couple moments for Mitrione and Bellator where he hasn't looked that great. I mean, the Fedor fight, we forget that Fedor knocked him down. It was just he happened to get to his feet first and was able to finish the fight. Um, you know, there's that fight against Ole Thompson. He's had a couple moments in, in Bellator where it's been a little bit iffy. He gets that majority decision over Nelson. I think that was a fight he should have gone out there and got a big finish on. And Bader's been the opposite. I mean, this guy's been looking like a killer going through everyone. Um, I think if Bader's smart, you because it's five rounds, you you try and drag this out as long as you can and wait 
till Mitrione's tired and then you capitalize because I think again his cardio and speed will be a lot better. So g- give me Bader in this one, but I'm like like uh, Joe said, no no bet for me on this one. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going with Bader as well. I, I'm in the same boat as both of you guys. And then we have another big, technically heavyweight fight the next night, but a nice card supporting that. We have another Gracie debuting. I think it's Hobson Gracie Jr. And the, the Bellator prelims are Bellator prelims, essentially. But you have Henry Corrales, Andy Main. You have Chet Congo and Timothy Johnson, two UFC veterans doing it. Chet Congo, quite frankly, can be the most boring fighter in the world, or he can be the most exciting fighter in the world. It's a heavyweight fight, James. So to me, it's like grab a coin and flip it. Yeah, that's kind of the way you look at it. But I, I would have to favor Timothy Johnson here just with the fact he's a little bit younger. Congo, I mean, I know the guy looks like a you know supermodel in terms of his physique, but uh, he's a slow guy. And I think Johnson, uh, you know, he's a guy that always finds a way to win. I mean, it, the weird thing with Johnson is like he's coming off a win in the UFC and he just they couldn't come to terms and he ended up going to Bellator. So he's a guy that probably would still be winning in the UFC. So I put some stock into that. And uh, Congo, uh, again, you know, uh, coming off the win over Ayala, but uh, that was back in May. Um, yeah, g- give me, give me Timmy, Timothy Johnson this fight. I like him. Yo. Yeah, I'm not putting five on it, but uh, Timothy Johnson, I think, is going to attack. He's a minus 170, Sean. There's no chance I'm putting five on it. So uh, I, I look for Timothy Johnson to seize the opportunity and realize, hey, man, I'm fighting a name guy here. I can get another. I can add this to my resume. I can look pretty damn good uh, at taking out Czech Congo, but protect your chin. Protect your chin. You know, Czech may not be the most exciting fighter. He's a very controversial fighter. He's very unpredictable. Uh, but I think Timothy Johnson can pull this off. And, you know, don't be surprised if Czech Congo's uh, leg-kicking game increases in this fight here. I'm just, so, I'm just throwing it out there. Speaking of fighting a name guy, you have Anato- or Anatoly uh, Tokov facing Alexander Shlomenko. This is a big fight for Tokov uh, facing a former champion. Shlomenko... Eh- is a guy that Bellator clearly thinks a lot of. They they brought him back, but he's lost two fights in a row. And we, we've seen Shlomenko in that spot before. He lost to Ortiz and Halsey back-to-back and was able to rebound pretty well. But James, how do you think this one goes? I think the, I, I think Shlomenko is on a, on a bit of a downside. I think Tokov could take this. Yeah, I'm with you here. I like Tokov as well. Uh, I think with Shlomenko, uh, you know, say what you want. I, th- I think he probably beat Gegard Musasi in that fight, but I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that Musasi's eye was, uh, you know, the size of a baseball after the first round. Um, but yeah, he's, he's coming off a loss to Bruno Silva in M1 Challenge, a guy who was a 17 and six. Um, to me, I, I think this is just one of those things where you know he's just he's too inconsistent. And I like the I like sort of the you know I don't want to call him a newcomer, but he kind of is in a way. Um, give me Tokov in this fight. I think there's definitely uh, some value there as far as uh, him as a pick and. Uh, well, actually, he's the favorite. I see minus one sixty-five. I might throw some on that, just with the fact that you know I think Shlomenko's on the downside. Joe, yeah, Shlomenko's on the downside. But we're off to, we're talking about a twenty-year-old, twenty-eight-year-old Tokov who's twenty-eight and two. Uh, this is a bad human being. He's got fifteen KOs, uh, and he could submit. You. He's got six submissions. So anywhere this fight goes, um, provided he keeps his head in check and realizes he is fighting a veteran, uh, be expected to compete for fifteen minutes. Seize your opportunity. I mean, the fact that um, Car- or what's his name or Alexander's last fight was a first round KO or TKO, I think it was. Capitalize, strike, strike, move, move, strike, strike, move, move. It presents itself. You go for the KO, and I think that's what's going to happen here. Uh, and like James, although James did say he's going to, he could put five on it. Uh, uh-uh. no, he's the favorite, and I think he's the favorite for a reason. I like this line of all the lines uh, on the two shows. This one is very fair. To say that Ben Henderson's Bellator career has not gone the way that most expected would be an understatement. 
He is two and three. One of his wins is a leg injury to Patricky Pitbull. The other one is a win over Roger Huerta, who hasn't been relevant since before Ben Henderson was relevant. Ben Henderson is not getting a gimme fight in Syed Awad. Syed Awad has won four in a row. He has been a guy that has been around in Bellator forever, it seems like. It's it's only been about five years, but it seems like it's been forever. I know that he first fought there like almost a decade ago. But Joe, I, I feel like Ben Henderson can get it done. And I think he will. But if you make a mistake with a guy like Syed Awad, he will put you away. Even though he, he's not a consistent finisher, he is a guy that has been known to finish here and there. Uh, like he, he beat Zach Freeman fresh off of uh, Freeman's big win over Aaron Pico. He uh, may have put Ryan Couture out to pasture for all we know. Well, no, I think Ryan Couture's fighting next month. But uh, how do you think this one goes? I think Ben Henderson's the reason or is the favorite for a reason, although I think it's too large of a of a spread. He's minus 445 to uh, Syed's plus 315. I would have made that a little smaller, maybe in the high 290, James. I don't know. But um, Ben Henderson still has it. It's a matter of what is – how motivated is Benson Henderson? Where does this fight, other than a paycheck, lead for him, right? Um, yeah, you can't sleep on a wad because a wad will sleep you real quick. Uh, but I just think that uh, Benson Henderson is just too savvy of a veteran to allow a wad to do uh, to pull off a victory. It is MMA; anything can happen. Don't get me wrong, but I think Benson Henderson uh, does walk away with this fight. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a submission. James, can Ben Henderson get his first real momentum in Bellator, or is Syed Awad going to move to five in a row? Uh, I'm picking Henderson, but I don't think this is where the odds indicate the fight. I see Henderson right now is like a minus four forty five favorite. There's value on Awad here for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, here's a guy. Uh, you know, he's actually, uh, it's funny, I was thinking that Awad was the younger guy, but he's actually a year older than Henderson, just Henderson's been fighting for so long. Um, you know, Awad, uh, he, he's got some good wins. You mentioned the free win one, the, the Couture one looked good as well. Um, he's, you know, he's had some losses as well, kind of bouncing between weight classes. So this is at 155, which I think is good for both guys. Um, I'll go Henderson, but I think it's going to be a decision. I think it's going to be a closer fight than people think. But Awad could pull this one off. You know, the thing I think the thing with Henderson too is he's just taken a lot of punishment over the last couple of fights, um, and and I think that that's going to going to going to play a bit of a role in this fight. And uh, you've got a guy in Awad who really has nothing to lose. Henderson has everything to lose. He was the big signing, the former UFC champion. When you have a mentality like that, I mean, we saw it last week with Anthony Pettis. He had his moments against Tony Ferguson. I think we're going to see a similar thing here with Syed Awad. But again, pick is Henderson. But if I'm if I'm playing a bet in this fight, it's uh, Syed Awad, who right now is plus three fifteen. Main event, Chael Sonnen, Fedor Emelianenko. This is a freak show fight. Bellator Heavyweight Grand Prix semifinals. <laughs> Look, yeah, here's the thing. I, I want to break this down from a technical aspect, but it's like, what's the point? It's <laughs> hard to say. I don't know how washed either of these two men really are. James, what do you see unfolding in this fight? I see Fedor Emelianenko getting his hand raised. And I know Chael Sonnen, uh, you know, he's, he's gone on a bit of a run here in Bellator. And it's actually weird to think that Sonnen has now fought John Jones, Anderson Silva twice, uh, you know, Rashad Evans. Like, he's fought the who's who. Now he's fighting Fedor. Like, how crazy is that? Tito Ortiz, 
I don't know anyone who's fought as many legends as that, but uh, I, I, th- I think this is going to be where the, the you know the, the train stops for Chael Sonnen. Um, Emilianenko, he's still got that knockout power, and I think I think at some point if he does catch Chael Sonnen, I think it could be you know the type of thing where it's going to be a TKO finish. He pops Sonnen, he ends up going on top and laying some ground and pound there. Um, I'm going Fedor Emilianenko in this fight. Uh, you know, not as quickly as the Mir fight, but I think maybe a second or third round finish here. Um, and uh, right now the odds makers agree he's minus two fifty five. So uh, yeah, I, I got to go Fedor in this one, but no bet. Since Sonnen lost to Anderson Silva the first time, he fought Brian Stan. That was the, the least known name that he fought. Since then, as you mentioned, Bisping, Anderson Silva, John Jones, Shogun Hua, Rashad Evans, Tito Ortiz, Vanderlei, Rampage, and now Fedor. So when people tell me, Conor McGregor's irrelevant now. He lost. Uh, no. No. And Conor McGregor is five times more charismatic and better at what he does in that regard than a Chael Sonnen. Also, he doesn't have um, – some. he's got plenty of issues, not necessarily the issues that that uh, Chael Sonnen had that kept him out of the cage. Joe, Chael Sonnen still getting fights, 41 years old, and he's facing Fedor Emelianenko, once known as the greatest fighter ever. What, what's the fightful policy on, on Showdown Joe giving his opinion on the bad guy who I don't want to ever speak negatively of? Who's that? What? Well, I, I, I don't want to pick against Chael Sonnen. How dare you? But I have to pick against be Chael Sonnen. objective. <laughs> Fedor Emelianenko, I think, brings more to this fight, although I do want to say this. If the bad guy, and a lot of people don't know how his brain generally ticks, if the bad guy is motivated, motivated, he will win this fight. If he's just looking at this as, ah, I'm in the heavyweight tournament, blah, 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 I'm going to fight Fedor, this is awesome, he will lose. He will lose. But if he's motivated, comes in there, executes whatever game plan he trained, he can pull off this upset. Remember, when he fought Shogun, he was supposed to be the sacrificial lamb. And he tapped out Shogun. No one taps out Shogun, per se. He tapped out Shogun. That was a very motivated Chael Sonnen. Although he was motivated against the other fighters, that was a very motivated Chael Sonnen. Chael Sonnen has the ability to surprise a lot of people, despite his age, despite how much he talks. Uh, I just think Fedor, if I break this fight down, striking-wise, Fedor has the power. He's the better striker. He should win the stand-up battle. This fight goes down to the ground because Chael Sonnen's wrestling gets it there. Fedor's not that easy to take down. But if it does go to the ground, I think Fedor's a better submission artist. So everywhere I look at this fight, Screams Fedor Emelianenko. I'm going to go with Fedor in this fight. I'm rooting for Chael. I will have a live post show after Bellator 208 talking about both of those shows. Make sure you all check it out. And, of course, come here every Tuesday, 2 p.m. Eastern. Check out FightfulSelect.com. We are adding more and more MMA content. Want to make that uh, your go-to for both pro wrestling and MMA bonus content. Most importantly, check out FightfulMMA.com. When you go to the individual sites like Fightful Wrestling, Fightful MMA, Fightful Boxing, we have tabs there that uh, say exclusives, results, all that good stuff. Click that exclusives tab. You'll see a ton of James Lynch's interviews. He has more coverage of UFC Moncton. Is that the right way to pronounce it? Yeah, it is Moncton. Yeah. Moncton than anybody else. I'm talking Misha Serkinov, Volkan Ozdemir, all kinds of people. Make sure you all check that out. James, let the people know what you're up to this week. 
Uh, nothing, just plugging away, trying to look at that UFC 230 card now, trying to set some interviews up for that. But like you said, UFC Moncton, we got you covered. Uh, Anthony Smith as well we got. So we have both the main event, Misha Serkinov, uh, Nasrat Hakbarat. I mean, you just name it. Just go to Fightful. We got all the interviews up there. Um, and just follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at Lynch on Sports, L-Y-N-C-H. And uh, thanks for a great show today, guys. It was a lot of fun, a little little, uh, little uh, you know, heated back and forth. I like that stuff. I like it. Joe, what do you get going on this week? Yeah, I'm probably just going to do my hair. So. <laughs> uh, no, it's a typical, crazy, busy week for me. Same old, same old. Uh, just paying attention to what's happening here. Uh, lots of calls to make it, not just in the mortgage world. Lots sorry, of calls. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you, Joe. <laughs> so wow. Oh my God, it's beautiful. Uh, you just you, you're reminding me. I've got to wash my kitchen floors. Um, but yeah, so it's just, it'll be a, a busy week for me, and uh, we'll take it from there. Looking forward to seeing now what happens in the mixed martial arts world because I'm paying damn close attention to what's happening uh, with Habib. So, just a heads up, guys. There will be an alternate host. Jimmy Van will be out of town this week, uh, so listen, you boy will be a little bit different this week. Check that out Wednesday, three PM Eastern. Most importantly, thumbs up, subscribe. We are on podcast platforms everywhere, and let people know about Fightful MMA. We're still a a very young independent MMA website. So let people know about us. Thank you all so much. Until next time, check out the Aftermath podcast from Sunday, the UFC 229 post show, and all of James Lynch's interviews. We are out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.